Steve. Yeah, man. Here, put the, put these on. Oh, oh, what? Why do? Why am I going to put these on? What? what you need to put about? these on. You need to listen to this podcast right now. Just why put do them I on. need to? Why do I need to put these on? I don't put these earbuds on and put them not, on right now. I'm not putting them on. Put them on right now, motherfucker! No, don't! I'm not. I don't want to put them on. All right, then I'm just gonna have to start beating you. No, okay, I'll put them on. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a movie, we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is, I don't know what it is. It's like a lot of John Carpenter's movies. What is it? What is <laughs> the reputation of his movie? Some are really, really good. Some started bad and turned good. Some were uh, good and then turned bad. I mean, this is one of the ones that was uh, made a little bit of money when it was released. And, mm-hmm. and I think because of one six-minute fight scene is now <laughs> cemented into a lot of people's minds, but I guess it's a, is it okay? I mean, I think it has a, a fairly good reputation at this point. Does it? All right. I think, I think so. Well, what movie are we going to be reviewing this time around? We're going to be reviewing the 1988 sci-fi classic, They Live. Mm, who's they? They who are living. But I'm living. Am I part of they? No, you're you're asleep. But you're you're what? Wait. They live. They live. You sleep. But not, sleeping is you're still alive when you sleep. Metaphorically, so asleep. Like you're not. You're not. You're not. And I, as the kids say, you're not woke. You don't know what's actually going on in the world. So shouldn't it be they awake? They. If I'm asleep. I see. You're saying you're saying it's like a mixed metaphor. No, I'm saying they name this stupid. If they're oh. alive. And the opposite of being alive isn't dead, but asleep. You know what's re- you know what's even more confusing? Like the actual title of the film, it's technically John Carpenter's They Live. So then you run into the issue of, okay, is it John Carpenter's They who are living? And who are they? Or is it They Live as a collective thing that belongs to John Carpenter? I've right. never been clear on that myself. So if you go by the first interpretation, is is John Carpenter like in charge of the aliens? Are the aliens the they and they're John Carpenter's? So really he's in charge of the He's in charge the of aliens? everything else. Yeah. I think that's the whole yeah. point. He's like the head alien. That's right. Yeah. Are they aliens? Or whatever they are. Could they be from another dimension? I think they mention interdimensional things at some point, but you know, sure. you know me, I don't really care. I know you don't give a shit. They're you just know, from the... another place and they're doing bad things. <laughs> from another place doing bad things. This could be called Troll 2. I don't care. This could be the... <laughs> I don't give a shit. They're, there's, they're aliens or transdimensional. I don't fucking care. They're doing monkey, bad things. Monkey people, I don't care. They're, mo- <laughs> they're monkey people and they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> Yay, so we're doing They Live. Hooray. This was, uh, this was our, our audience choice. That's was right. It? Yeah. That's right. You know what I wished wasn't live? <laughs> what? The fucking cat. I'm going to kill my son's cat. Now you sound that's, like her. That's that's not nice. I'm going to throw her outside. Let her have her way with some male cat. But that won't <laughs> shut her up. That won't shut her up either. And then we'll just have another cat around. He needs to get you know, that cat fixed. God um, damn that's it. what I was just—that's what I was just about to say. Need to, there needs to be a little trip to the vet for kitty you need, cat. You need to exert. 
your control over animal species whenever you can. And there is no greater control over animal species that you have, granted you by God, than denying <laughs> animals the ability to reproduce. Exactly. It's good mm. for them, and it's good for America. Steve, do you have yes. trivia about They Live? Nope. I do. Great. Oh, I you do? do have okay. trivia. I do Ray. have trivia about They Live. And, mm. you know, a, a lot of times my trivia for these movies goes into kind of dark territories. Sure. I'm, I'm happy to announce. Sometimes it's even related to the movie. Yes. I think this time the trivia is related to the movie. And okay. also... Especially this first bit of trivia. This is nice, happy trivia. This makes you feel good about the world and, and about the people okay. that made I hope okay. so. I hope it's not a bit of trivia like, you know, birds are a thing, and birds also were briefly in this movie. All right. Well, I'll take that off my list. I won't talk about that when <laughs> okay. I get there. All of okay. a sudden, I, I think I'm hurting his feelings now. I just so won't I'll, talk about I'll the birds. Him. That's fine. Won't talk That's about fine. it. Are you sure? Fine. Okay. So we had this thing about you can't say trivia stuff about things that just happen to be in the film right okay okay, okay. so i won't mention that you know the movie talks about television which is an actual invention that exists that people watch yeah, please in the real don't world. i got to throw fire oh there's seven pages of that jesus <laughs> christ let me tell you about the invention of television it's a very fascinating story that i will now go into in minute detail I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What is no, what is so the amazing the, thing? The, the first piece of trivia is is very. I think it's very nice. Uh, John Carpenter hired actual homeless people from the shooting location as extras on the movie, mm. and paid them and fed them while they were shooting. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. Had he, he made the had he made the movie ten years later, he could have just saved a whole bunch of money by paying them in crack. That's true. He could have. He didn't know. He paid no. him in food and money. Well, he wasn't going to pay them heroin prices to be homeless. No, not 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 in 1987. Are you fucking crazy? No. Uh, no. But if he can promise them a macaroni sandwich every day, then oh, there I you would go. Love a nice macaroni sandwich. Ooh. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up. Do it like a grilled you, cheese. You I know? know you have a problem oh. with the macaroni sandwich. I love a good macaroni sandwich. I know you do. That is a monkey on my back from way back. Like I'm wondering how many people are googling this right now. Is that a fucking thing? Did is a macro? Did I've never had a macaroni sandwich before? It is in my house. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Well, that's awesome. He hired homeless. He yeah, exploited he, homeless he, people for his movie. <laughs> or he gave them money and food when they were in a desperate situation. When you know he, he could have just hired extras or something. Yeah, you um, could have. You could have just yeah. hired extras. And instead of actually paying them physical money, he gave them food for a couple of weeks, and then he left, and they were like, "Oh, well." <laughs> He gave okay. them his. He gave them the proprietary currency of his production company, the John Buck, and well, they, they, <laughs> they 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 could buy whatever they wanted at the John Carpenter Company store for as long as the movie was shooting. But once it was over, he packed up his tent and left, and his the John Bucks that they mm -hmm. had and still in their pockets were useless. So, you know. mm -hmm. well, let me just put it this way: I don't think there's a whole bunch of people sitting around going, and then. John Carpenter came and he put us up in his movie for three weeks and we ate as many macaroni sandwiches as we can. And that gave me the strength to go find a job. And that's when I met your grandmother. And that's why you're alive today. More than likely, the common story is, oh, it's the last of the John Carpenter homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly They're see you're making now. it dark i wasn't gonna make it dark yeah most likely the story is like so this is where my homeless grandfather is buried i think and uh, he was in a john carpenter movie once mm -hmm. this grandpa yeah. right there 
happen. Yeah. It's so, it's so great to see him awake. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, we mentioned it a little bit already, but there is a, a very famous fight scene in this movie. Yes. Um, between Roddy Piper's character and Keith David's character. That's right. And um, originally in the script, and as John Carpenter originally conceived the movie, the fight was supposed to take about 20 seconds. Yeah, it was. But what happened was they were rehearsing in John Carpenter's backyard, and Roddy Piper and Keith David decided to do a take during the rehearsal where they just had a real fight. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they weren't actually punching each other. They they pulled their punches and stuff. But in terms of like the wrestling and grappling and scrapping around, like they actually went at each other. Mm-hmm. And John Carpenter liked that so much that he re-envisioned the fight into the five minute long thing that it is in the movie. And they actually wound up rehearsing the fight for three weeks before they shot it. And it is because Roddy Piper and Keith David decided to have some fun during rehearsal. Wanted to get paid more. Yeah. (laughs) We can get paid stunt money Mm -hmm. in addition to acting money. (laughs) That's great. Hooray. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Roddy Piper's Roddy Piper's character is never referred to by name in the film. No. And is credited uh, in the end credits as Nada. Mm -hmm. Um, This name comes from the short story by Ray Mm -hmm. Nelson, 8 o'clock in the morning, that the film is based on. And in the story, the hero's name is George Nada, Mm -hmm. and he's a guy who discovers that aliens are secretly controlling humanity after he is hypnotized by a stage magician. That's right. And what happens? I can't remember. Okay. I don't either. He, I don't know. He, it he, wasn't he, a good he, story. It was. He, he, he. You know, he wins. He beats the aliens. Yay! Does he? I don't know. I don't either. It was also a comic book, and I've never read the comic book either. Neither but, I. Um, okay, last bit of trivia, please. <laughs> John Carpenter cast Roddy Piper as the lead after meeting him at WrestleMania three. That's right. And he did. It, as, and you know, I I love John Carpenter already. I love him even more now, knowing that he attended WrestleMania three. Yeah, three. <laughs> um, and uh, at WrestleMania three, Roddy Piper wrestled what was billed as his retirement match. R- Roddy Piper's retirement lasted just over Please two don't years. Make, don't make me sad. <laughs> Please don't make me sad about this. His retirement lasted for two years. He was back in the ring. For the WWF wrestling in mid-May 1989. So, mm-hmm. but he also continued to make movies, you know. So he, you know, he was an actor consistently as well. But mm-hmm. his wrestling retirement only lasted two years because so. he couldn't afford it. Well, yeah, his knees were blown out. He was in bad shape, dude. Oh yeah, he had to get a. Eventually, I think he got both hips replaced. Um, mm-hmm. I think he had knee surgery as well. He was in constant uh, pain. Yeah, yeah. He was in constant pain, even when he was doing stuff on TV. Oh, you know, sure. Up until his death. Oh, sure. Even when he was the president of the WW fucking whatever. Oh, yeah, that's was, right. Was, yeah. For, in, in the late 90s, he was the, the president for, for mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. 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 His wrestling had to- torn his body apart. Yeah, absolutely. And he w- and he didn't even work that high impact of a style. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these guys who wrestle today who like fucking throw themselves through fucking tables and off ladders. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I have no idea what they're going to be like <laughs> when they're in their 40s and 50s. If Roddy Piper oh, had to get double make, hip replacements. They'll still force them to fight. They'll, they'll, two people will come out with these large tubs and just pour a wrestler onto the mat. And the blobs <laughs> will come and just bash into each other. <laughs> they'll throw steel chairs in the ring and we like just do, do it can i tell you nothing and there are a few things as a wrestling fan that annoy me more than the fact that the guy sw- 
swinging the steel chair has become like the popular culture shorthand for professional wrestling. I really? hate that so much. I hate that so much. I get the gag. I know exactly. I mean, how I get doing yeah, it. I I get the gag too. But it's just like oh, I hate that. Like in the minds of the general public, when they think of professional wrestling, they think oh, guy running in with a chair because it's the mm -hmm. dumbest fucking thing. It's the dumbest fucking or a table fall or a table, the other one. The yeah, table, or a uh, ladder. It's like, oh, please. If I never, I, if I watch wrestling every day for the rest of my life and I never see another fucking ladder match or table match or guy hitting, getting, getting hit in the well, head. Well, usually the chair, it's not even a table match. It's when the guy gets thrown out of the ring onto right, a table, onto a table that's already been pre cut, designed yeah. so that it'll break away. My yeah. favorite ones I'm, are when they land on tables and they don't break away because they didn't cut it enough. Yeah. And now the guy's actually fucking hurt. But he's yeah. trying to wrestle because, through yeah. that pain. Because instead of just having a wrestling match, they said, hey, let's throw you through a table. And he said, <laughs> okay. Hey, how about you jump three stories onto onto a ring, onto the ring? Would yeah. That, does that sound yeah. safe? <laughs> no. About, here's, here's, here's what wrestlers need to learn to say. How about you do it? <laughs> how about you fall off the top of the fucking 20-foot high cage into the table covered how with thumbtacks on many fire? How many wrestlers died doing that gag? Jumping from... From three stories above the the um fucking ring. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, oops. Oopsie. If he didn't want to do well, it. Yeah, the thing is like, yeah, I mean, that's how Owen Hart died. You know, yes. he was gonna do what he was doing that doing that stunt, which was he, he never should have been put in the position to do in the first place. It's like what, no. are, what why why was he even up there because of stupid wrestling bullshit? Mm -hmm. instead of because instead of just going and having a wrestling match where mm -hmm. he wrestles like a wrestler you wanted him yeah. to drop from the ceiling on a fucking wire because you're an idiot <laughs> okay we um, gotta stop because yes, this anyway, is like, yeah, if, oh yeah. if i if i yeah i i could i could bitterly complain about all the horrible things about modern professional wrestling i would be still going strong six hours from now so we need to can, stop but yeah i talk about the people that made it talk about the people who made it okay please. here's who made it. it was directed by john carpenter i don't think i need to bring him up again if you need to know more about John Carpenter, please, please re-listen to our our uh, review of the thing yeah. or Halloween. Yeah, um, we haven't even or or Big Trouble in Little China. That's right. Yeah, we've done three of his, haven't we? Yeah, we've done we've done three of them, um, and there's only a few more than more that we can do. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <And then, laughs> uh, screenplay by John Carpenter, based on Eight O'clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. It was produced by Larry Franco, who's produced movies like Mars Attacks and Steve's favorite, Hulk, and yeah. uh, a bunch of Carpenter movies like Escape from New York. Starring Roddy Piper is not a... We already talked about him, but you might remember him as the recurring wrestling guy. I think he came back in two seasons of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Yeah, as a professional wrestler. Yeah. And and before like The Rock and John Cena and Batista, he was like our great pride, all us wrestling fans. He was like he was the wrestler who crossed over and actually became a successful actor. Yeah, before The Rock. Before the yeah, before The Rock and before oh, Cena and Batista. Like, there are a few, I mean, there are the a few wrestlers is, now. The Rock is the one that did it. The, the Rock, Rock is, is the, the one biggest that did it star in the world. Yeah. The Rock Hogan like, tried yeah. for a long time. Oh, I'll talk about that. But no wait. one no one was <laughs> Filled with pride about Hogan's no, crossover. No, everybody was like, "Please stop, <laughs> please stop." That was the one. That, that was what united the wrestling fans and the people who hated wrestling in the eighties and nineties. We disagreed on a lot of stuff, but we all agreed: Hulk Hogan, please stop making movies. Please just stop. <laughs> all right, um, <clears throat> Keith David as Frank Armitage, and you know him. Yeah, 
He's the voice of baseball and jazz and a whole bunch of other documentary series made by Ken Burns. He was also in, you know, my probably my favorite movie of all time, The Thing. And he's been in everything and Disney movie. You know his voice. You know what no, he looks like. And he's, and, he's, and he's great. He's great. And he's everything. great. And he's great all the time, except in Roadhouse, where he's <gasps> built. Because well, he's barely in he, it. Well, he's fuck them. In it. Fuck them for barely I don't putting think, him in it. I, he does, I don't think he even has a line, does he? Or maybe Roadhouse like one was quick after, line. Roadhouse yeah. was after this movie. I, I Look, I, we talked about this when we reviewed Roadhouse. I would have loved it if, <sighs> if he had a bigger role in Roadhouse. I would have loved it. I would have loved it if he just shown up with a fucking gun and just started shooting people in Roadhouse. Hello, motherfuckers. Blam. Blam. <laughs> That's Make- right. Meg Foster as barely in this movie. I'm sorry. Meg Foster as Holly <laughs> Thompson. Uh, does her character even need a name in this? I don't think so. She's the lady. She's a lady. She's a um, lady in movie. But you recognize as Eva Lynn from Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. George Buck Flower, who you guys will recognize from all of his other bit parts and every single other fucking movie on the face of the goddamn earth, where yeah. he's usually playing a drunk guy. Um, as drifter slash collaborator because he never has a a name in it. Cy Richardson as Black Revolutionary, nothing. Peter Jason as Gilbert, another guy that you'll recognize from a billion jillion things. It wasn't until I cobbled together the stuff for this that I realized his last name is Jason. That's so fucking made up, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. <laughs> That's not a last name. There's That's no a first name. name. My last name is Jason. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> but you'll recognize him from everything, but probably most notably from Deadwood. Um, Susan Blanchard as in engine engine ingenue. Uh, ingenue. What really? Really, Carpenter? <laughs> You couldn't give her a goddamn name. Norm Alden as construction form. Another guy that you'll see in tons of stuff, right? Yeah. Carrie Rosal as second unit guard. Again, whoopee. Tons of stuff. <laughs> Cinematography by Gary B. Kibbe. And you'll know him from Carpenter movies because that's what he did. Um, and edited by Gib Hafe or Gib Jaffe. I think Gib Jaffe is the name. I think so, yeah. Nothing. And Frankie Jimenez, nothing. Probably just, you know, Carpenter movies. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fucking kill you. There's no one here that wants to fuck you. Go away. All right, sorry. I don't care. I wish there was a great big male Tomcat that would just be like, oh, I don't want this. (laughs) (laughs) You asked for it. That's right. Cinematography, I did that. Edited, did that. Music by John Carpenter. Surprise, surprise. And boy, oh boy, some of this music is awful. In the, I'm just, it's just bad. You can tell that it's on a synthesizer. You can tell those aren't real horns. You can tell those aren't strings because it sounds, it sounds like a synthesizer. But also by Alan Haworth. And he'd helped out with soundtracks on Star Trek. You know, Star Trek, the motion picture. How about and, that? Yeah, I know. And also the Halloween movies. Production companies, Alive Films, and Larry Franco Productions, distributed by Universal Pictures in North America and Coralco Pictures internationally. It was released on November 4th, 1988. A good, solid, fun Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, holiday. A holiday film for the family. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) (laughs) running time... (laughs) 
94 minutes. Budget, $3 million. Adjusted for inflation, $7.7 million. Box office, $13 million. Adjusted for inflation, $33.4 million. So it's not it's not it's didn't make a ton of money but it's been remembered forever as um kind of like what you point to when you go that's what a conspiracy theory looks like if you want to know <laughs> yeah. what that's what it's the boil boy i'm wondering exactly. you know, if this movie didn't exist how many conspiracy how many fewer conspiracy theories we might have that's true it's it, it's a good shorthand if anybody's like what's a conspiracy theorist and you can just go okay did you ever see they live uh-huh okay it's people that think that's real <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Or at least people who say they think it's real, so they can get money out of people <laughs> for who money think who say who think it's real. People okay, so pretend it's real. Grifters and crazy people. That's right. That's, That's right. That, there's your there, there's your your two biggest groups of conspiracy theorists: the grifters and the crazy people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Steve, are you ready? And put on these sunglasses. Don't make me beat you up again. I'll put them on. Fine. I'll put them on. And then we can shoot a lot of people. I would love to shoot a lot of people with sunglasses. I mean, Despite while wearing sunglasses. That we never saw. The uh huh. We actually have to be mad because it's not fair, right? Yes. For reasons. For reasons. <laughs> I don't know. Why are we getting so terribly upset? Because we found out that aliens control everything, right? Because it's not cool, man. What what part of it is not cool? Because the aliens, man, they're bossing us around. They're taking control of the horizontal and the vertical. Look, when I found out that they're... they were that organized, I breathed a sigh of relief. A thigh of re thigh. Sigh a of relief. relief. <laughs> Thank God somebody's in charge who knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Thank God someone's <laughs> foot is on the brake of this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, sure, they're aliens from another world, but at least they're, you know, in control of something. That's a, that's the reaction that most of them are like. Oh, aren't you upset that lizards control everything? And I'm like, if a lizard pulled its face off in front of me, I'd be thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! I was so scared. Oh, it was just us running the show. I thank just God thought it's it somebody was somebody else. I thought it was the monkeys. It's not. The, oh, thank God! I thought it was the monkeys. Thank I God! Thought, it's the lizards. All the monkeys had taken over, and we were just we were just screaming on fire, going off a cliff in a truck. That's what I felt. Thank God, there's someone's hands on the wheel. Thank you. Oh, thank you, lizard people. Here's have a baby. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, I what else can I get for you? <laughs> And my friend, jump, jump into this. Oh boy, we got a long, we got a long time at the beginning, don't we? We got a long uh, time of well, nothing. Plenty of, pl plenty of time to get those credits out of the way. Well, plenty of time, I guess. So we'll. So a, there's a train a, on down yeah, railroad track, and uh, a rail railroad goes. Uh, a train goes by, and out of nowhere comes our hero. Yep. Guy with no name. Yep. With a big old backpack. That's right. He got a big old backpack and he just arrived into town, I'm assuming on a train. I guess I, I think don't... he just he just jumped off of a box car he, on that no, train he and just, sped by. It's one of those things. He's just kind of there. He just kind yeah, of the tr the train the train passes mm -hmm. by and he's just there. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's got a big backpack and he's walking through town. He's just kind of looking at shit. It's one of those movies. <laughs> and 
he sees a street preacher and uh he tries going looking for work and uh what else happens yes yeah. yeah well yeah he well yeah he goes to like the employment office and they don't have anything for him mm-hmm. and then he goes to a construction site and he says hey you need an ex you need another guy and mm-hmm. the, and the and the construction worker says this is a union job so roddy right. says well where's the foreman because I'll, you know, suck his dick or do whatever I need to do to get on the mm-hmm. dump. And he's like, okay, Foreman's over there. Uh, and then I guess whatever he said to the, to the, to, or no, the steward, he wanted to talk to the, to the, well, he the must have sucked steward. his, yeah. you said it, he sucked his good dick really good. He, he's, he sucked, <laughs> he sucked a good dick and he got it and he, and he got a job because we see him doing some manual labor on the construction site, you know, shoveling mm-hmm. some dirt. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, After a you know, couple he, of times of being like homeless and watching people watch TV through their whatever. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he finally gets work and there's Keith David and Keith David says, don't follow me. Doesn't he? He's like, well, yeah, well, because it, it's, it's the end of the shift and the, the, the foreman who hired him sees him. And I guess, you know, figured out that he's just like a drifter or whatever. And he says, Hey, this construction site is closed at night. No sleep in here, you know, so move on. And he's like, okay, whatever. And that's when Keith David comes up to him and says, hey, if you need a place to stay, you can follow me. Or or no, if you need a place to stay, you can come with me. And Roddy doesn't come with him right away, but then he just kind of follows him in the distance. And there's a couple of shots where like, we see him gradually sort of catching up to him. And finally, Keith David turns around. And he's like, I don't like no man following me unless I know why. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the homeless the homeless place the, like and it's like a yeah. camp man and he yeah. meets some people like the guy who can get anything and apparently they have like communal meals which is yeah. nice right sure. and is then keith david is like i don't trust anybody and no motherfuckers and i i hate the system and roddy roddy you know name guy with no name is kind of like well i don't think that anything bad will happen to us yeah, right. I believe in America. I just want to. I just want a chance to work hard and earn my keep, mm. and I'm sure everything will be fine. Somehow, at this at this fucking um, homeless encampment, they have cable, and a bunch of the hobos are sitting around <laughs> yes. watching TV. I guess it's I guess it's strung in from the church across yeah. the street. I'm not sure how they have cable on that TV, but they do. Mm. Now, most of the homeless people that we encounter at this homeless camp are families. That's you know, that's true. Yeah. And so the people that are trying to watch TV, are, they're not necessarily, they're not like hobo hobos. But no. anyway, it, the signal gets interrupted by somebody, right? Yeah. Max Hedrum. <laughs> not quite. Unless no. he's let himself go and stop shaving. It's just, <laughs> it's like some guy and he's like, don't believe the lies. Yeah. They're controlling and everything. They're controlling everything. And Roddy doesn't notice that the preacher's saying the same exact thing that the guy on the TV is saying. Right. You know, because there's this yeah. there's this insane preacher man. Yeah. Right. And he preaches the same thing. That like, yeah. Yeah. They're out, they're all against us. They've, you know, don't they're, stop. They're exploiting us. They're trying That's to keep right. us passive. Like, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And uh, Roddy's like, OK, that's word. <laughs> but then he notices some people go over to this church. Right. Yeah. And he decides, I'm going to go find out what's going on over that church. And he gets there and he finds out that some of the guys that run the homeless camp are like talking like revolutionaries. Yeah. And that there, it sounds from the outside like there is a choir inside singing, but there is no choir. It's just nope. a recording of a choir that they use to cover the fact that they're having like a secret meeting about something in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, they keep talking about how we've got to get the 
truth or something out there or something. Right. And so he leaves and he goes to Keith David and he keeps watching him through binoculars because he's like, hey, have you ever noticed the, the weird things that are going on in that church over there? And Keith David is like, nope. And then police come. Yeah. And they and raid the church and they and raid the homeless camp. That's right. And it's been 30 fucking minutes. And you're like, what's happening? And they're like tearing everything down and grabbing guys. And and our our guy gets away. But first he finds, okay, explain to me the sunglasses, Steve. Where'd they come from? Okay. Okay. So the sunglasses were in the church. The people in the church made the sunglasses. That's right. Because Roddy was in the church the first time with when he their sunglasses a, machine. Yeah, they have a sun. They have a magic sunglasses machine <laughs> that they make the sunglasses with. And at first, Roddy just sees the sunglasses and he doesn't really think anything of it. And then after the church gets raided and a bunch of people, everybody either gets arrested or scatters. Mm-hmm. He goes back into the church and um, he he finds a box of the sunglasses left over and he takes them. And at first, he just goes and he hides the box like in a trash can. That's right. And takes one pair with him. And he's like, oh, fuck it. Free sunglasses. Hey, hey, you know, I guess. Hooray. So then he's walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's just kind of looking around and he puts the sunglasses on, which is the thing that you do with sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And he notices something funny when he puts the sunglasses on. Everything looks black and white. Yeah. And so so he takes them off and puts them back on. He's like, that's weird. And then he looks at like a sign, like a, a billboard, and it's an advertisement for something. But when he puts the sunglasses on, the picture on the billboard disappears, and it's just a plain white billboard with a with a, a single word in big black block letters, and it says "Obey." That's right. And he's like, what's, "Oh my what's, gosh, what's up? What's up with that?" And now That's we weird. have thirty-five minutes of him putting on and taking off sunglasses and looking yeah. at you. Because all of the mass media is like that. All of the mass media has subliminal messages, and you can only see magazines. with the yeah oh. magazines, TV, billboards. Um, you can only see what it really says when you look at it through the glasses. And um, what else and do also, you see? Oh. Well, he also notices he's at he's at a newsstand, and he's looking at the magazines that all say all these subliminal messages like consume and sleep, and you know, there's a like an a vacation advertisement that says marry and reproduce. Um, and then he looks up at a guy who's buying one of the magazines, and the guy has like a scary zombie face. So I need to ask a question. Yeah. Scary zombie face, man. They're all over the place. All of these scary bunch, zombie yeah. face people. They're obviously yeah. aliens. Yes. What in the fuck are they doing buying a newspaper that just says things like, go to sleep, <laughs> stay well, asleep. They're, you know, well, they're reading it for the article. You know? What maybe, articles? There are no articles maybe, in it. We- <laughs> maybe, maybe, they have, maybe they have like reverse magic sunglasses so that they can see what the magazine actually says. You know, so they, they, you know, they, they can see what it says on top of the obey and sleep and all that. You know, are maybe he just, of, he, he's a big fan of that magazine. Are any of newspaper. them wearing sunglasses? No, but maybe they have contacts. Because <laughs> they do get those later. They do get those later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe yeah, they so have contact lenses? Maybe they have contact lenses. So yeah, Roddy's like a little, you know, disturbed by this at first, obviously. He's very he's upset. Like, he's like, oh, it's a, it's, so there's, so some people are, are aliens, I guess. How upset uh, is he? Well, he's so upset that he wanders into a store around the corner and there's an old lady and when mm-hmm. he looks at the old lady through the glasses, he sees that the old lady is one of them, you know, one of the weird zombie alien looking things. And boy, does he let her have it. 
Well, he starts talk, commenting about how ugly they are, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, you she she looks to you just like everybody else, but you look at her through the glasses, real fucking ugly. Yeah, and they formaldehyde face. And they start talking into their wrists, saying, "We have one that can see." Yeah, that's not encouraging. No, but he runs away, right? He gets out of yeah, that shop, and then the cops show up. And then the cops show up and he kills both of them. He murders both of the cops and now he's a true hero. But it's okay because the cops were aliens. The cops are aliens. Yeah. And they and were, they were saying and... things like, buddy, we know that this is upsetting. Let's take you so, to a place where we can talk about it. And what yeah. does our hero do? Kills them. Kills them. <laughs> Kills them. Kills them good. So protagonist, two deaths, supposed antagonist a lot. Because he's noticed that all of the signs say things like obey or you yeah. know what I would have loved. Sleep, stay asleep, whatever. Yeah. If it turned out the alien said, listen, until we showed up and put these controls in place, all you fucking apes were doing were killing each other. That's all you guys did was kill one another. We had to put these things in place to calm you the fuck down. <laughs> this is your fault. This is your fault. You made this prison, not you us. You made us do this. We're doing this based on a fund from people who feel bad for you on our planet. They're like, the Save the Humans Fund. The Save the Humans Fund? You anyway, can sponsor a human for the cost of a cup of Glip Glorp a day. That's right. After he kills the police officers, yeah. he, he uh, grabs a shotgun out yeah, of the car. Does. And he what's the first thing he does? He goes to a bank. Yep. And Although I think it's, the, the way it's set up, he's not, I think he kind of backs into it. Like he's just going into a building to get off the street because now they're looking for him. And, and then turns he turns around. Bank. He turns around and he realizes he's in a bank. And that's when he says the, the most iconic line in the movie. Because oh. mm -hmm. everybody's looking at him because here's this guy who just came in off the street with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And he says, I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum and then he starts and shooting people he kills people but only the alien people not the not the people people that's right only the alien people who were there to do their banking or yes. maybe they were at the <laughs> yes. bank so, only the alien people who were there to do their banking they have done <laughs> nothing to him there has been no evidence that they've done anything violent to anybody that's true but but counterpoint fuck them aliens no, that's not a counterpoint, you fuck. Fuck them because, aliens. Really? Because everyone looked like they were just so upset because he can now read, obey, and all this. All he's seen is that, yeah, there seems to be a lot of subliminal stuff going on, but not, you know, the aliens were eating babies right in front of him or something like that. Right. He just flips out and starts shooting everything that's not him right well he's had a bad couple of days he's been he's hit a rough patch you know Steve, would kirk yes. do that would kirk do that no kirk wouldn't do that that's right not anyway, every hero can be captain kirk so to top up top off his day of killing people he's <laughs> he then kidnaps a lady yes he kidnaps a lady at gunpoint he says take me to your house that's right and, and she, she does, does. it because she's terrified. Yes. And they get to his house and they talk about something. I don't remember what it was. Well, he he tells her he tells her about the glasses and that everybody's secretly aliens. And she's like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. What well, like anyone would. Yeah, right? of course. Of course. And the first chance she gets, she shoves him out a goddamn window. That's right. <laughs> and there's your there's your female lead for the movie. <laughs> yep. She comes back eventually, but not for a while. No. 
So then he goes out and he finds Keith David. And he's like, yeah. Keith David, I need you to. I okay. So he goes out and he tries to find the other sunglasses. He finds the other sunglasses, and then he's like, Keith David, I need you to put on these sunglasses. Keith David is like, fuck you, no, right? Yeah. Well, because but yeah, because it's been on TV that he's killed a bunch of people. So That's Keith David right. sees him and he's like, oh no, 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 I'm not getting involved in whatever this is. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then they have a six-minute fight scene. They sure do. That just keeps going. And every time yeah. you think it's done, they, it, it starts just, up again. It starts up again. And you're like, really? Is this a joke? What is going on? Why <laughs> is someone letting him do this? It, and just, it keeps just keeps going. Going. Until eventually, you know, he puts the sunglasses on Keith David. Keith David yeah. sees everything. And they go to a hotel. Um, and he's like, don't wear those too much. Yeah. It's like a drug. If you wear them too much, then you get addicted to it. And when you take them off, you have a headache because you crash. Like, yeah. Yeah. Then the guy from the homeless camp finds them. He drags them back to their headquarters because they're the resistance or something. They made the sunglasses. Yeah. They're the ones that made the sun. Oh, and now there's, now there's contact lenses. Yeah. Right. And while he's back there at the camp, what's her face shows up? Yeah. Holly. Yay! And then what happens? <laughs> and then the cops show up. That's right. Yay! And they're like, hey, fuck you for being a resistance movement. You don't get to do that. We're going to shoot everybody. And they start shooting. And there's shooting. And there's more shooting. But Keith David and what's his name get away, right? Of course they do. Well, yeah. yes. And they sneak into the under the underbelly and they get into a building a hotel where they're seeing some sort of reception or something. Right. I don't yeah, it turns out it, yeah. it turns out the alien the aliens have watch gimmicks and when they push a button on the watch it looks like they disappear. But Roddy and Keith David discover that what actually happens is it opens like a little hole, like a little portal in the ground, and you can mm-hmm. jump through it. And then you end up in these underground tunnels beneath the city, which I guess is how they move around and get from place to place. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, there's like a ballroom where it's it's a group of of aliens and regular humans. Right. And they're having a celebration because they've all made so much money together this year because they're in cahoots. There's a group of humans that are working with the invaders and they're all profiting from it. That's right. Including a guy from the camp who they captured and he's turned and he's like, nah, I'm working with them now. Yeah. You should work with them too because more money. Yeah. There's more money and stuff. And he shows them like their teleportation thing. Yeah, he gives him the grand tour, which includes like a teleportation device that I guess they use to go f- back and forth between their home planet or wherever. Yeah. And, uh, and also he says, and also the signal that, you know, makes everybody blind to the, the secret messages that's broadcast to a satellite from this TV station. That's right. Isn't that cool? So they're like, thanks, sucker. <laughs> and so thanks for showing us like virtually everything. He then disappears, right? Yeah, they have weapons and it's now time for them to kill everyone. They start, (laughs) they get back to the killing (laughs) and they start killing all the aliens and they're going to, what is their plan? Their plan. They're they're going to go to to the roof to destroy the transmitter. That's right. And then they do that. Well, Holly shows up again, but it turns out Holly has, has, Holly has turned and is also on the side of the bad guys now. That's right. She's on the side of the bad guys who wouldn't be on the side of the bad guys. You make because, lots of money that way. Yeah, because she goes up and she kills she kills what's his name? Keith David. She kills Keith David. 
He almost I made know. it to the end of the movie. But he gets up to the top. Uh, right, I'm sorry. Guy with yeah. no name gets to the top of the building. Um, he's about to shoot the radar dish. But, oh, no, there's Holly. And she's like, "Don't! I'm going to kill you now. And he's like, don't kill me now. And then doesn't he shoot her or something? He, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he shoots her. And then the the police helicopter is like hovering right near him and is going to shoot him. And he's like, okay, fuck it. And he shoots the satellite and destroys the satellite. And then the, heli- right. the cops in the helicopter shoot him and he falls then, to the, to the, to the ground. He, and as he yeah. flips them off while he flips he's him dying. off as he dies, he's like, fuck you alien scum. Um, and then the, the, the transmitter has been destroyed. So all of the, you know, the, the illusion that hides mm-hmm. the aliens from everybody has been destroyed. So now everybody can see what people saw through the glasses mm-hmm. and they're like, oh shit, half of us are aliens. That's yeah. oh no, that's not cool. Including not Siskel even, and Ebert. Not oh even no, half. not even half of us. No, are not aliens. even half. No, not half, but like a bunch of people, including Siskel oh. and Ebert. We who are talking the, shit about John Carpenter on that show. That's right. And um, there's, a, you know, the, the news people are aliens and some some guy in a bar is an alien. And then we cut to some some woman who's so coked out, she's barely present for the scene, is riding some dude with her shirt off because you wanted your sex scene, everybody. Mm-hmm. And she looks down and he's like, what's wrong, baby? And it's like, that's the end of he's the movie. He's an alien. The he's end. an alien. Get it? Get it? He's t- the end. Hey, Steve. Yes. Hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. How do you feel about this <laughs> fucking movie? Another Carpenter film that we have to contend with. Yes. That is, inex- for whatever reason, it's famous. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you why, because... Uh, you'll understand that when I start talking. Anyway, okay. how do you yeah. feel about whatever this fucking thing was that we just watched? The sci-fi movie. They live. They live. I liked it a lot. I like it a lot. And I like it, it a friend. lot. I like it a lot, and it is my friend. <laughs> it's famous because it's good. <laughs> it's not famous. It's so. Good. It's so good. It's um, not good. Keep so going. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, we may disagree on this. Probably. I think this. I think. I think this is a good movie. But um, speaking more broadly, before I talk about the movie, um, I love John Carpenter. Sure. Uh, John Carpenter makes movies that don't feel like movies made by anybody else. Nope. He has this unpolished sort of artisanal quality to his work. There's, you know, it, it, there's no mistaking a Carpenter movie for a slick product of the Hollywood machine. Mm-hmm. Even when he's working for a major studio, like because he's made movies for major studios, but they still feel like Carpenter films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a sense about his work, a feeling like like George Romero or Abel Ferrara. Like they're just you can just tell there's something different about them. They feel different. Sure. Um, they have a style and a point of view and a rhythm that is immediately recognizable as being something else. Um, and Carpenter has the ability to make films that are about things that have social commentary, that have political messages um, without feeling pretentious. Mm -hmm. Um, His films all feel very straightforward and very lean. They feel thought through, but not overthought. You know, they Mm -hmm. get to the point in terms of their plots and in terms of what they're trying to say. And, and to me, they live is like that. Um, It takes a little while to get going in terms of like finding out that there's aliens everywhere. But I mean, you know, we meet our protagonist right away. We figure out what his deal is in a very few scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of exposition. And 
um, you know, its storytelling and its commentary are, you know, hit the ground running from the very first scene. It's it's quintessential Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the premise is fairly straightforward. Aliens have been secretly controlling us through the mass media, particularly TV, for decades, and most of us don't realize it. And most of us who do figure it out choose to side with the aliens in exchange for financial benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the sort of, uh, like, biting, angry social satire that you would expect from a Twilight Zone episode. Sure. And and They Live is a lot like a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from the violence and the profanity and the fleeting nudity, mm-hmm. it would pass. It could You could buy this as like a feature-length episode of, of the original Rod Serling Twilight Zone. Sure. Um, and in fact, when the characters put on the glasses and, and see the world in black and white, it kind of looks like a Twilight Zone episode or like a classic sci-fi movie. Um, and, you know, the, the illusion is discovered by Roddy Piper's character, who is a homeless, unemployed guy who's become a drifter after losing his job. Mm-hmm. He believes in hard work and the American dream, but he has just enough cynicism in him that when he realizes what's going on, when he realizes the aliens have secretly taken over and are manipulating people with the media, he chuckles and he says one of my favorite lines, maybe my favorite line in the entire movie. He mm. says, it figures it'd be something like this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much. Um, and he says that while he's watching Ronald Reagan give a speech mm-hmm. on TV. Now, the movie doesn't explicitly tell us it's Ronald Reagan because we only see him in like his alien form. But that's obviously Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly it seems like it's mostly the rich and the powerful who are the aliens. While yeah. it's mostly while the working class are mostly regular people, regular or ordinary mm-hmm. humans. So, you know, we mentioned already our hero doesn't have a name. He's never referred to by name once in the film. He's only named in the credits. He is literally a nameless member of the working class and every man. And he's the one who rebels against the overlords who are exploiting humanity and, and ultimately destroys their illusion, although at the cost of his own life. So and through all of this, the movie is funny. That's another hallmark of Carpenter's work. It's funny. It's not a full on comedy. It's not like a laugh a minute. It, mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't lean in for the laugh nearly as often as Big Trouble in Little China does, because I think mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China is more of a straight up comedy, like an action comedy. Um, they live not so much, but it has an unmistakably skewed point of view, a, a very yeah. ironic take on all of this. Um, that legendary fight scene between Piper and Keith David, that to me is the reason why it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. It's it's meant to be funny. And it does, and it makes me laugh when I watch it with those, like every time it seems like the fight's over mm-hmm. and then it starts up again, <laughs> you know, it just keeps going. And usually it's Roddy. Usually it, Keith David has beaten Roddy Piper's ass and he's on the ground and he's laying there for a second. And then he thinks, no, fuck this fight's not over. And he gets up and he, and he tackles him again. And as a wrestling fan, that makes me laugh because I'm like, boy, mm-hmm. Roddy just would not. Roddy was not laying down for anybody in the 80s. Like even <laughs> in a movie, he was like, fuck you. You're not beating me. Um, and, you know, and, and if you if you somehow make it through the whole movie and you're not sure if you were supposed to be laughing at this, hopefully that final shot makes it clear because to me that final shot is unambiguously a joke Mm -hmm. you know the dude looks up at the woman having sex with him who has just screamed and he's he's full-on she doesn't scream she doesn't no she she has like a look on her face like what the fuck and Mm -hmm. he's like what's wrong baby and then it's like hard cut to the to the credits it's like you don't even get a second to breathe it's just like what's the matter baby boom Mm -hmm. movie over i love it 
Um, this was Roddy Piper's first major role in a film. Sure. He had done uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown right before this, and that has <laughs> since become kind of a cult classic, but it didn't really light the world on fire at the time. And and this movie is, even today, this movie is way better remembered than Hell Comes to Frogtown. Mm. Um, with good reason. It's also a lot better than Hell Comes to Frogtown. But, um, and so there are times when his inexperience as an actor shows here and there, and there are one or two moments where he reverts to his pro wrestling persona, like specifically the scene in the convenience store where he's going off on the old lady. Like that's just him as Roddy Piper cutting a promo on someone. It doesn't yeah. really feel like he's playing the character at that point. He's just kind no. of doing his Roddy Piper thing. Um, but for the most part, I think he's excellent in this. Um, he does well with the action and the stunts, as you would expect. And he also does good with the quieter moments, like when he's telling Keith David in the motel about, you know, his father and a little bit about what things were like when he was a kid. Mm. Um, he does good with that. And despite being, I think at this point in his life, as big in terms of how muscular he was as he ever was, like he was really jacked up in this movie. Um, he still comes across as an everyman, even though like, and a part of that, I think, is because Keith well, they David don't really like show a, off his muscles. No, but but you can tell that he's big, like he's a big guy. But Keith David is also a big guy. And most mm -hmm. of his scenes are with Keith David. So it doesn't like there's a thing with wrestlers that happens in movies, like especially if they make movies while they're still active as wrestlers and they're still big and in, sh in wrestling shape is that you see a wrestler who in a wrestling show looks like a normal size wrestler. And then you mm -hmm. see him next to an actual normal size person. And you're like, oh, fuck, they're a giant. <laughs> and that doesn't really happen in this. Because, you know, even though, I mean, Roddy Piper wasn't like super tall or anything. I think he was only a, a, an inch or two taller than we are. So he wasn't like a giant in terms of height, but he was big. He was like 230 pounds at this point because of all the muscle on him. Um, mm -hmm. but, be, but because he's usually a scene partner to Keith David, who isn't nearly that jacked, but is also a big dude, you don't really think, oh, shit, look at that gigantic man. Mm -hmm. So he reads as an everyman. Um, and he gets a lot of support from Keith David, who we both love. I, I, I love everything Keith David does. I love his body language. I love the way he walks. I could just watch Keith David walk. He just has this amazing body language that I just think is fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And he plays basically Roddy Piper's sidekick in this without getting overshadowed by him mm -hmm. and he's also the far more experienced actor playing with roddy piper the far less experienced actor but you never get the feeling that keith david is like working overtime to try and carry these scenes like they 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 work mm -hmm. very well together and he holds his own without feeling like he's the you know he's the designated actor for the movie um the movie falters a bit for me in its plotting that's really where it where it starts to to come apart a little bit. The narrative relies on these really convenient contrivances to move things along. Mm -hmm. um, it just so happens that Holly works for the TV station where sure. the alien broadcast originates. You know, mm -hmm. um, Frank and, and Nada decide that you know they they check into the motel after Frank puts on the glasses and they decide okay for their next move they need to find the resistance that made the glasses and then the next day the leader of the resistance finds them and just shows up them and it, yeah just shows up at the hotel and invites them to a meeting you know there there are things like that that happen throughout the movie where it's like oh that was convenient you know it just so happens the guy from the homeless camp joins the other side and is their tour guide in the evil alien headquarters and shows them everything they need to see everything you need to know 
and yeah. apparently has clearance to go any, anywhere. Like, I guess you you join the alien side and you immediately have top level security clearance, mm -hmm. and you can just go wherever you want and bring whoever you want along with you. Yeah. You know, there there are things like that that just feel kind of like lazy writing. Like, you know, okay, like you probably could have come up with something a little more plausible to explain how they get here or you know mm -hmm. whatever. But they, you know, so on the one hand, I do have a problem with that. On the other hand, the movie is just over 90 minutes and it moves mm -hmm. really well. And I'm not really thinking about those contrivances while I'm watching it or like it, I'm, I'm noticing them, but I'm not like preoccupied with them. So it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of the movie, but it is there and it is a problem. And they, you know, it mm -hmm. is, it is a, a, a technical flaw um, more than anything else. But, um, and also some of those legendary one-liners really stick out like sore thumbs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they're, they're memorable in their own right, sure. but in but in the context of the film, it's like, why would he say that? You mm -hmm. know, like he because like sometimes there's the stuff in the grocery store I mentioned earlier where he's gone off mm -hmm. on the old woman, where it sounds more like Roddy Piper than the character he's playing. Yeah, um, you know, and it just it, some of that just kind of pulls you out of it because like yeah, they're good lines, they're funny, they're memorable, but would this guy be saying this? Right. You know. Um, right. So yeah, so you know, it's not perfect. It has its problems. But to me, it's it's one of the great sci-fi satires of the 80s. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's as good as RoboCop, but I think it's in the same category. And I think mm. it's the same sort of movie where it's trying to, you know, Carpenter was obviously trying to say something, not just about the nature of mass media and the sort of pacifying effect it can have on people, but also about politics and the exploitation of the lower class by the upper class. And that was a, I mean, that was a big deal in the 80s. And it's still a big deal today. Mm -hmm. um, so it's sadly still a, a relevant message. And, you know, it's important to remember that in They Live, the aliens are only taking advantage of qualities that we already have. Um, they didn't create our apathy or our desire to keep our heads buried in the sand or our tendency to, to hate and fight each other. We had all those qualities already. The aliens are just using them to control us mm -hmm. because those qualities are weaknesses that keep us apart and keep us from actually addressing the problems that we face as a society. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, I think, is Carpenter's point. That's what the movie is ultimately trying to say. And that he's able to make that point so sharply while also making us laugh and entertaining us is, I think, why he is usually such a great filmmaker. So I really like it a lot and I recommend it. There you go. Your turn. I really liked this when I was a teenager. <laughs> really liked it as it was getting older, but this time I don't know what happened. I sat down and I watched it, and for the first time ever, I went, "What are the aliens doing that's so wrong?" <laughs> I was watching it, and as he started to kill aliens, I went, "Wait, what have they done to you that is so wrong?" I mean, yes, you put on some glasses and you saw, "Oh no, there's all of these things about obey and go back to sleep and all this yeah. other stuff." And oh no, it turns out that there are a lot of aliens just walking around, and aside from them being gross. What have they done that you have witnessed that deserves you walking to a fucking bank and killing them? Because there's a part of me that was started watching this going, what if there are no sunglasses? What if there's literally no sunglasses? And that's the reason why Keith David doesn't want the sunglasses put on him. Because his friend is obviously <laughs> fucking crazy. Because his friend is just having a psychotic break. That's right. Because his friend is having a psychotic break who has just murdered people because he thought they were aliens. 
or some other without them actually having how many okay so they raid the camp right at the beginning of the movie they raid the camp yeah do they do they kill anyone i can't remember i don't think we see them kill anybody no i think they just bust up the camp yeah they don't start killing people until they get to the resistance people right yeah and the resistance camp knows everything about them and there's a question that's been bothering me every time i watch it even when i was watching when i was a teenager why are they doing it hey steve why the aliens (laughs) why are the aliens doing this apparently they need to live on our planet because they've ruined their planet okay is that what it is I think something they, like that. Yeah. Something like that. So they're just living yeah. here. And yeah. they need this measure of control. Otherwise, we're out of controlled monkeys that kill everything that we see. <laughs> that sounds like us to me. Kind of <laughs> sounds like us to me, too. <laughs> so it's like you have these aliens, like, we got to leave our planet because we can't fucking live on it anymore. Let's live here. Well, well, those fucking monkeys will destroy us once they see what we look like. And they're like, okay, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out so we can live there, okay? Because they're fully integrated, right? They're having conversations yeah. like human beings would have conversations. Absolutely, yeah. The the implication is is that they control everything. They're all the cops. They're the politicians. And maybe they should have left it at that. Because once you start showing them as people in a grocery store, that's when I start going, shit. <laughs> Wait a minute. So do they have families? Right. <laughs> like are there little Please. alien kids that don't have fathers anymore? This is kind of the same problem that I had with the have with the original Matrix, where yeah. you know he says, "Well, you know, not everybody in the Matrix is an agent trying to keep keep the eyes the wool pulled over eyes, but subconsciously." The people that are also in the Matrix don't want you to, so they'll fight you to keep the delusion up, and that means you can kill them. And I'm like, wait, wait, huh? what? <laughs> Didn't can't we, we just that- like can't we just knock them out or tie them up or something? <laughs> Didn't, wasn't that the excuse we used in Vietnam when we sent our soldiers into Vietnam and yeah. said some of the people there aren't combatants, but they don't necessarily want you to be there. So <laughs> just a- to be safe, kill anything that moves. <laughs> Including the children. Okay, okay, great. And if we find out you did, we're not going to do anything about it. How about that? We'll pretend to be mad at you if we have to. The only thing he didn't do is shoot a child. We never saw an alien child. That's true. We never saw an alien child. We saw children with the humans. Yes. You know, but we never saw an alien child anywhere in the thing, nor him shooting the alien child, which I guess he does because he just shoots aliens no matter what they're doing in the world. He just shoots them. He just sees them and starts blasting. That's right. Um, and so, like I said, I, I I find the movie entertaining. I do find it a little long, you know, at the, it couldn't, it didn't cost much to make, which awesome, great for you. But it also didn't make a whole lot after it was released because I'm fairly certain some people were like, what am I supposed to do with this? What is this? Is this a satire? It kind of is. I, I kind of believe that it is kind of a satire. But the big problem, the big problem I have with is Carpenter. I really hate the fact that his main character is a guy from nowhere. Ooh, I can relate to him. The backpacker that's been taking trains across the country because he's homeless. No, I don't. I don't identify (laughs) with him. Not your experience? Wouldn't it be neat if someone who's who's inculcated and safe inside this alien world finds out that aliens are everywhere? Right. And then we find out that aliens are doing all this because they're eating us. 
or something. You know, this is a form of control. Just shut up and go to sleep. We're in every we're in every corridor of power. We control everything. And that's because you're meat. And some of you are better well. Some of you are well taken care of meat, but you're all just meat. Okay? And we're gonna eat you. All right. That's what we've been doing. We raise you up to eat you. And that's that's it. Okay, maybe we have some special ones that we treat special and they're like millionaires and billionaires, but eventually they get eaten, too. So everyone shut up. We're just waiting for you to die. But we don't know what they want. They're just leaving here because it turns out that they can't live at home. So they're living on Earth. Great. So, yeah, please kill all of them. Please kill all of them. Kirk would not kill these people because they were looking for a place to live. He'd probably say something like. You're right. Human beings will never accept the way you look. Yeah, you shouldn't be here. I I'm mean, we're just, it's not going to work out for you. I'm sorry. Personal, but... <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not you. It's us. It really isn't anything to do with you. You just got skeleton monster faces. And, yeah, uh, and that's not going to work for us. I'm sorry. It's really not unless... I'm. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be humans. They get a chub looking at you. That That's just... The way it is, some are going to want to have sex with you. But they are not in charge, and they never will be. But they're few and far between. So <laughs> it's like when my version of what happens when aliens arrive is more like, you know, District 9 or Alien Nation, right? Right. Where we're fucking racist, and there's nothing we can do about it. Some people yeah. are going to continue to be racist to the aliens, and some aren't. Yeah. Um, and so these guys went, these guys are going to be racist to us no matter what we do. Let's just take over their society and just, you know. <laughs> oh, wait, I saw alienation. That didn't work out. And if there are some of them that find out about us, we make them rich and have them live with. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's not like when they when they should have had, they break into the thing, they find the homeless dude. He says, I've seen what they are. And then they kill him. Right. And we go, oh, they're bad. Right. That's what we're right. supposed to think. Well, they're bad. I don't see them doing anything bad other than, you know, their own self-interest. Yeah. And so I'm like, when I start feeling, when I start siding with the aliens, Against the heroes who within five minutes, he's got two guns and he's in a fucking public place blowing people away. I'm kind of <laughs> like, no, I don't want this to be an instruction manual to people about how to behave when you think Wait, that. If you ever think there's aliens all around you. Exactly. Kill some cops, steal their guns and just start murdering people. And go to town. <laughs> But I still, I still like the movie. I see the, it's fun. It's a little long for me now. Mm-hmm. It's a little long. Um, so I'm not going to recommend it because it is a little long. It is kind of like Johnny's first <laughs> Johnny's first conspiracy kit, where if you're like, <laughs> oh, something's wrong with the world, they just know it. And then you watch this and go, yeah, that's wrong. I knew it. That's exactly what it is. Except, except Carpenter was wrong. It's termite people. Then, you know. He had to change some of the details to get the movie made. They wouldn't let him just make it literally true. Otherwise, they'd kill him. They would have killed him. And he never would have made Escape from L.A. (laughs) But a lot of Carpenter's films are a little bit like conspiracy theories. Oh, sure. I mean, either the outcome of such or they just flat out are, right? Starman. Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Aliens are here in secret again. Big Big trouble in Little China starts with the government trying to cover up what happened yeah. in Chi- in in Chinatown, right? Yeah. And it's a story about what actually goes on around us that we don't notice. That we don't notice, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He should have. He should have directed the Harry Potter movies because they're all conspiracy theories too. Oh man! If John Carpenter had directed Harry Potter movies, that would have been fantastic. With his sense of humor and his aesthetic, that would have been could, fantastic. It just opens a bus passes by. Harry Potter's not on the street. Bus passes by. Harry Potter's now on the street, <laughs> walking, walking home. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, recommend. I'm not going to recommend. Are you going to recommend? Oh, I'm definitely recommending it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine, yeah. but I just by this point, I'm kind of like, Boof, you know. Yeah. There are better Carpenter movies that I want to point people towards rather than. Oh, there are better Carpenter I movies for sure. I, I don't. Th- I would prefer like the thing to this, but I still think this is excellent. Yeah. And in this one, I just don't trust people enough to be able to like not go. That's exactly what's going on, <laughs> except it's lemurs. It's lemurs. It's shape shifting lemurs from space. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, do you have a movie yes. that you would like to not recommend? I do have a movie I would like to not recommend. So, okay. because this is a Roddy Piper movie, and Roddy Piper is one of the wrestlers, arguably the first wrestler to really break out and have a film career outside of the wrestling industry, I thought I would talk about another wrestler who tried to have a film career outside of the wrestling industry mm-hmm. and never quite worked out. He made quite a few movies, but none of them were big hits, probably because none of them were good. No. And we mentioned him already. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. That's right. Who who was the biggest wrestling star of the 80s. And so it kind of makes sense like, oh, make he should be a movie star. He's super famous. He's the most famous wrestler. Let's make him a movie star. Didn't work. Um, other than Rocky three, where he's in it for like five minutes and he's basically playing in a version of his wrestling gimmick. Yeah. Um, so Hulk Hogan made a whole bunch of movies. None of them are very good. None of them were really big hits. Hulk Hogan as an actor, not so great. Not much screen presence, a lot of screen presence as a wrestler on the wrestling you show. Know Tons the of screen present- you know what yeah. this problem was? What? He tried to make family friendly movies. Well, that's, and that's, and one of them is the movie I'm not recommending. Mm-hmm. So some of Hulk Hogan's earlier movies while terrible are entertaining in a so bad it's good kind of way like no holds barred or suburban commando Mm. not good movies at all but entertaining to watch the movie i'm not recommending is a movie from 1993 starring hulk hogan Mm -hmm. called mr nanny Mm -hmm. it's not good and it's not even bad in a good way. It's just bad and boring and just not very fun to watch. It's kind of it's, kind of tough to sit through. It's bad um, in a bad way. It's bad in a bad way. So I thought I would share with you some quotes from people who reviewed the movie. Okay. So this is from Kim Newman from Empire Magazine. Hogan proved himself a better actor when pretending that wrestling is a real sport. Here's one from Scott Weinberg from eFilmCritic.com. The cinematic equivalent of garden shears in the eyeballs. Oh my god. Here's what Lon Gronke of the Chicago Sun-Times said about Mr. Nanny. By the way, notice Chicago Sun-Times, Ebert's newspaper. Ebert didn't review this fucking thing. He said, (laughs) let the other guy review this one. So the other guy... On the Chicago Sun-Times, Lon Gronke said of Mr. Nanny, Hulk Hogan can hoist 400-pound wrestlers over his head, but he still can't carry a movie. Nice mm-hmm. one, nice one, Lon. Mm-hmm. Um, David Hunter of The Hollywood Reporter says, no one except maybe the filmmaker's friends and bums at all-night theaters will sit this one out. And finally, James Berardinelli from Real Views says, one of the most monstrously agonizing motion pictures to come along this year. By comparison, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is actually watchable. Um, to counter, do not recommend Mr. Nanny. <laughs> to, counter, to counter Steve. <laughs> 
Here yes. are some of the five-star reviews from Rotten Tomatoes for Mr. Nanny. Oh, boy. I can't wait to hear some of these. But these are not from professional reviews. These are from users, right? These are user reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Paul C. demonstrates that he's been hit on the head with a frying pan by stating, oh boy. LOL, the funniest one hour and 24 minutes ever. Wow. Then he goes on to state who stars in it. Because we would know, even though it says it right there. Another five-star review. Hulk Hogan never disappoints. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that's a true statement at all. I mean, Ask his it's family. True, it, it's true if you know why. Yeah, it, it's true if you know what to expect. <laughs> oh my God! This one, no okay. name is attributed to it. Oh my okay. God! Probably for the best. Missed. I love Mr. Nanny. Hulk Hogan was great in it. Mr. Nanny is one of the funniest comedy movies ever, in my opinion. I like seeing Hulk Hogan in this movie. I like Hulk Hogan. I haven't really seen any of his films besides Mr. Nanny. Mr. Nanny is a very good movie. I used to watch this movie all the time when I was very young. This person is in an obvious insane asylum. My grandmother yeah. had it on, on VHS, and then she gave it to me. I remember it watching it over and over God. again. It's like the it's like the tape from the ring. It's been mm -hmm. passed along. Oh my god. What is it? I think my favorite scene in the movie is when Danny runs outside to his niece and nephew and he falls in the pool where it is all blood and then he gets yeah. extremely angry at his niece and nephew. I laughed out loud. But once again, it's a great movie. Which, by the way, is a scene because I guess because they didn't have the budget to actually show a pool with red water. You don't even see the water in the pool. <laughs> he falls into the pool off screen. Then you see him climbing out of the pool from an angle. So you can't see the water in the pool. And he's mm -hmm. already he's made up with all the red stuff like he's fallen into a pool of blood. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy shit, this movie is so cheap. They couldn't even do a special effect to make it look like there was blood in the pool. And finally, this last one. A good movie. It's a simple story, but it's good and very good. <laughs> a simple story of an ex-pro wrestler who becomes that. a bodyguard to children of an inventor who is being menaced by a bad guy with a, a steel plate for a head who wants to steal a microchip that's used in a missile. A simple story. A simple story. That's right. A simple story. I love it. This is a funny movie, and I recommend everyone see it at least once. <laughs> wow. Oh, and just just once again, Roger Ebert did not review it. Roger Ebert saw the screening coming up and said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Give it to the <laughs> other not, guy. I'm not watching that one. <laughs> that other guy must have quit because every time yeah. something bad was coming up, Ebert he was, was like, like oh, I'm not no. doing it. Ebert's like, I'm not I'm not watching that one. Mm -mm. OK, yay. So anyway, well, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, as you guys know, I like to recommend a movie from the same year. This is the movie we just reviewed, and it's 1988, and I'm going to do Cinema Paradiso. Fuck it. The movie oh my. Giuseppe Tornatore. I don't think it's considered a classic. It's kind of disappeared after a little while, but it's a love letter to movie. If you're a movie person and you love movies and you want to follow a guy's life through movies and his movie theater when he's growing up and you know something bad's going to happen and it burns down and it burns down his projectionist friend then yeah it's 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 you know it's foreign enough so you don't see the stuff you know there's like titties and you know making out and feeling horny 
things you yeah. don't get in American movies, apparently. Yeah. I liked it. It was fine. I still have fond memories of it even to now. So Cinema Paradiso. There you I'm going to go on and on about it like Steve does about movies that he hates. It's just fine. I'm it's just fine. trying to entertain the people. I know what you're trying okay? to do. I'm just trying to entertain our audience. Trying to be on their side. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to curry favor. That's what you're I wouldn't doing. be on their side if they paid me to be. Actually, <laughs> if they paid me a lot, I would be sure. But, you know. So now Steve gets to pay for his arrogance. Steve <laughs> yes. gets to pay. And we're back to it. As for those people who don't know, I take three random movies and I make Steve pick one to be the next movie that we're going to review. Steve doesn't know what these movies are. And I tie them all together loosely based on a subject or some fucking shit. And this year, the fucking shit is mental problems. Oh, boy. Mental problems. You know, we in America are really great at dealing with people's mental disorders. I, I can't wait to see what very mature and tasteful film we will be reviewing <laughs> after I choose one. So Steve now has to pick A, B, or C. Some mental problem movie, A, B, or C that Steve has to pick. Will he pick wisely? Will he pick poorly? I don't, I don't know. But he will pick because holy shit, there's a lot of really bad mental disorder movies out there, aren't there, Steve? I'm curious if you've even found a good one that you've thrown into the mix. Are there I any have. good ones? There's, there's okay. a good one. Okay. Um, I choose mental problem movie A. <laughs> okay. So if Steve had chosen mental problem movie B, we would have reviewed What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Oh, boy. Guess what's eating him? Mental problems. Mental problems. <laughs> uh, mostly everybody else's mental problems. That's, That's true. Mental illness of, of the people around him. Yeah. But you didn't pick B. Had you picked C, we'd watch a mental problem movie where, for some reason, some people in the United States are attracted to this character and they need to stop it or they need to tell me where they live so I can send bombs to them. The people... Wow. Love the movie American Psycho. Oh, yeah. There's some people that have an unhealthy that, attachment with yeah, that main you're character. Right. Yeah, they, it's like they don't really get the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the people who didn't really get Fight Club. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what, what? You're not supposed to like. You're not supposed to emulate what's going on yeah. in the movie. That was the no. point. Is the okay. okay, you ready? So the ready. movie we're going to watch is a classic film. Okay. Okay. Classic film, undeniably. And we're going to make fun of it. <laughs> I can't wait. The movie that we're going to review next is the classic Jack Nicholson movie. Oh, boy. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I can't so, wait. If you want to lose even more respect for, the, for us when we start making jokes about people that have been placed in an insane asylum in the 1970s, then please... Watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest before the next time we uh, we do a show. And that's it. We're done. We're done, Steve. We're done. Yay! You know, originally this started out as I wanted to see if there were any good movies set in hospitals. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's a challenge. Can you think of one? <laughs> a good movie set in a hospital. I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, neither could the internet. So <laughs> this is so I there had to are no good it. movies in hospitals. I had to change it a little bit to mental disorders, and so there I mean, we got it. Technically, it is set in a hospital. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, technically. Technically, yeah. Technically, it is a good hospital. No. <laughs> nope. Not even a little. In fact, most movies that I found set in hospitals are horror movies. Yeah. 
Well, people don't like hospitals, you know. Yeah, no. I just spent some time in it. I didn't particularly. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't fear for my life staring at the door every minute. Well, then you, you know had a I good mean? experience. So, you know. I only had three of my organs harvested. But they said, I have others, right? <laughs> You'll be fine. That is right, right. I do have two livers, like the nurse said I do. I, right? I guess. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I, can, I didn't I study can anatomy. Just I can function on one. Just one liver after they took out just one liver. I think I think you can function on one liver. Yeah. Awesome. And half a heart that that's doable. I only need two ventricles. I, I mean, you sure. know, because why do you need I so need many? One anyway. atrium, one ventricle. That's right. Exactly. They all do the same thing. That's right. I think it's overkill. That's right. I'm used to my heartbeat now sounding like lub dub. Fuck you. That sounds great, right? Because yeah, I gave I it up. normal. Mm -hmm. I don't need kidneys. We don't even know why we have them. Well, because I mean, kidneys are like to filter stuff. But if you don't drink stuff that needs, filters, I'm not you don't a need fish kidneys. tank. No, you're not. <laughs> That's right. Just you because know. my my torso now kind of looks like an empty garbage bag, <laughs> it's just it's normal, right? There's nothing right? wrong with it. There's I mean, nothing it's... wrong with it. I have I have two hemispheres of two lungs, the top part, right? That's all I you don't, need, the part that I, connects. That's all you need. You don't need the bottom. That's right. I don't need a diaphragm. I can have three rubber bands. That works. Exactly. As right? long as it works. We haven't even gotten to yours yet. <laughs> I know. Anyway. I, we haven't even said farewell yet. We're just, we're just riffing on hospitals. <laughs> anyway, this is empty scarecrow Jason saying, go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. As my optometrist said, put the glasses on. Put them on. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, that's right. Because there's a whole fight scene. Yeah. Why is your optometrist la la yelling at you? I just refuse to put on the glasses. Why? He made them. He made them to be good for you. I don't want. So them. you can see things. Please put them, them on. Please. Put the glass. You want me to put the glasses on? I want you to put the glasses on. Wait a minute. I've never asked Steve this. Steve, do you wear glasses? I don't wear glasses, but I have some prop glasses I can put on for your amusement if you would like me to. Please do that. It'll make okay. me giggle. He's actually doing this. He's going into his prop closet. He's rifling through a drawer of different glasses. He's got an entire bag. Holy shit. How many do you have? I actually only have a few, but I need they're at the bottom of the bag. Okay. Here, here's he is these. This is great for the this is great for the audio audience. Here's He's these. Okay, there we see? go. Those there look good go. on you. So for the people watching on Patreon who see the visual version, I'm wearing some eyeglasses that yeah. are just theatrical glasses. They'd have just flat glass lenses in them. But yeah, these are my yeah. these are some of my prop glasses. He's wearing a pair of good old George McFlies. Hey, yeah. Because he's got perfect eyesight. There's nothing wrong with him. He's healthy. actually I am probably going to need real glasses at some point in the next few years. I, I, <laughs> it's not it's not like an urgent situation or anything, but I can tell like things are going in that direction. Like the eyesight <laughs> is starting to go. Um, well, when you do nothing but work on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, you know. OK, so then here's these. these here's a different. I'm so glad we're doing this in our audio yeah. for, for, audio for a podcast. Yeah, this for encourages podcast. people. It encourages people to subscribe to the patrons. So oh, yeah. The hey, version. come to. Yeah. yeah there so you here's go. these. These are my Nazi glasses. These are not. Nazi Why are those glasses. Nazi glasses? I used to wear them. Because they're those. round lenses. That's like the, the, the villains in Indiana Jones movies. They always wear these. They're like, you know, or you know what else? I don't know. They're kind of they Harry thicker, Potter glasses. Nazi Harry Potter, six of one. Okay. Um, if they had thicker frames, they'd be George Reeves. 
Clark Kent glasses because George Reeves Clark Kent had round. Oh, that's right. He had round black. They didn't have wireframes. They had like. How come those are Nazi glasses? Because George Reeves wore them and he was Superman. uh, You calling Superman a Nazi? uh, Yeah, I'm calling Superman a Nazi. It's not cool. It's not cool. Whatever. It's not cool. That's not cool. So anyway, yeah, this. But the thing about these glasses, like I said, these are fake, so I can't actually see you know what the magazines really say i mean it doesn't say like obey or you know oh right right because they're not special sunglasses because they're just fake they're just fake glasses Mm -hmm. not like not like the ones in they live i was trying to figure out in the movie the sunglasses also reveal the uh the machines on top of light poles that tell people to be asleep yeah Uh, Yeah. i was trying to figure out how flying around and stuff how that works how it works well, they don't hear it because when you put the glasses on you can see but when you take them off you should still be able to hear, hear the machine saying go to sleep obey or whatever yeah but nobody's paying attention but okay well, fine whatever dude you know what i think you did you know what i think what i mean because like your various criticisms of the movie i think are valid like even though i don't personally share mm-hmm. them but i think what happened was when you watched the movie you were wearing the glasses and you saw through all the satire and yeah. you saw all the you saw all the flaws with it instead of uh-huh. just, what know, i saw was yeah. john carpenter smoking a cigarette behind a large flat while adrian barreau gave him a hand job that's what i saw because that was that was his that, life in the because that, that was, was his, his life tor- that was his tortured life in the 80s <laughs> was getting a constant hand job from his <laughs> wife adrian barbeau getting constant hand jobs from adrian barbeau oh. oh yeah you really understand the working man don't you john carpenter mm-hmm. you really understand the, the the lower class i'm sorry what i couldn't hear you over the sound of my cock being stroked by adrian barbeau <laughs> Who apparently has a thing for like scarecrow men, chain smoking scarecrow men, <laughs> chain smoking scarecrow men who make weird satirical sci fi movies <laughs> who no one's gonna get by the time the 90s go rolls around. Yeah, right? who's gonna have a period of like where he's basically forgotten and isn't doing anything, and then we'll get mm-hmm. rediscovered in like where the, people you know, where people think he's dead. That's true. Yeah, people keep reporting him as being the late john carpenter he's not though not yet well that's because anytime paparazzi takes a picture of him they assume that that's a death photo <laughs> that must when, they, that when must, it comes in it's like jesus it Christ. must be a death photo oh god i think john carpenter just died right before i took a picture of him <laughs> how else do you explain this that's it's a nothing, dead guy it's nothing nearly that bad they just know they get more money if they say i yeah. broke in and took a picture of his corpse here it is and they go, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that is a death. Well, yeah, that's definitely not just John Carpenter having lunch somewhere. This is definitely not like last week. The last week's death photo that was embarrassing, but this week's death photo, yeah, that's definitely totally legit. Yeah, totally legit. Mm-hmm. Is that Adrian Barbeau jerking his corpse off? Sure. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I thought they broke <laughs> up. Maybe they did. I didn't. don't know. I didn't know she was even still alive. Is she still alive? <laughs> What has she been in? What has she been in? I love the vaguely disgusted voice that your guy is saying that in. What has she been in? Well, it's because I got a half chub thinking about her, and now she might be dead. Wait, is I she don't dead? Know if I'm Did protected. I just get aroused by a dead person? Oh, my I'm, God. I, I thought about a zombie Adrian Barbeau jerking me off, and I kind of got a little hard. Oh, this well. is worse than that time I jerked off to that photo of Clara Barton. I'm just saying she was an attractive lady. What? I know she's dead. I know. Wait, wait. Do you think people who 
you know, you show, hey, look at this. I found a, a picture of uh, Catherine Hepburn in a bikini. And they rush off and they jerk it. And then they go, wait a minute. <laughs> wait I'm a jerking minute. it to a really old dead person. Oh, my God. What have I become? I have a problem. <laughs> I've got a problem. It doesn't <laughs> what am I doing? Until they go to like an ancient Egypt you know, tour they're touring around all these mummies, and it's like, and here is Imosep, the wife of Dada, and he's like, Ugh! Oh shit, yes. Oh wait, she's been dead for thousands of years. Oh my god. Oh, shit, yes. <laughs> she's a she's a mummy. What am I doing? <laughs> Here's an artist rendition of what we think Cleopatra looked like. Oh fuck! Oh my god, wait a minute, she's been dead. He's oh, leaning god. up against the bust case. <laughs> I'm not done. Don't go. I love, I love, I love the conceit that he's just doing this in museums and people are just letting him. You're like, ah, oh, you know, people. She was very attractive. Sometimes this happens. That's why he's telling people not to touch him because they they come to escort him out. No, Don't touch me. Don't do I'm, it. Almost, I'm almost uh... there. It's, he's, it's better if you just let me finish. I'll leave becomes, on my own. He becomes just that guy in front of the Statue of Liberty. If you're oh, gonna God. take the tour, you gotta <laughs> just don't look at him. Why yeah, just let him do what he needs to do. Don't hey, engage. Please. Let me go home. Take the statue down. <laughs> it's like that guy. What was it? The uh, the the guy, the honk if you're horny guy from that. I think you should leave sketch where he <laughs> see like Tim Robinson's character has a honk if you're horny bumper sticker, and the guy behind him is like, "That's me," and he's like honking the horn. <laughs> it's like he's. It turns out he's incredibly horny and can't get released, and he thought that like the guy with the sticker worked for a service. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't work for a service. Ah. <sighs> Okay, anyway. we should say goodbye. That was a weird way. That was a weird way to end this day review. Sorry about Sorry, the visual everybody. gag for our podcast, everybody, with the glasses. <laughs> they're they're going to be really upset because the last video had like four videos in it. Had like four unedited oh, that's right. things yeah. in it. Yeah. That you guys don't get to see. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. No biggie, I guess. <laughs> not gonna make kind of make them feel bad they're still listening no right they're listening okay. to the show and thank you very much that's right thanks guys until next time bye bye late seating is a let me listen podcast production featuring steve shives and jason harding produced by jason harding theme music rolling at five composed and performed by kevin mcleod you can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.